and uh, it's called Love Me Wild. And uh, it goes like this. to fight but I can't be still and I don't know how to live when there's no demons left to kill and I will search for answers to the questions why now we'll search for answers And I'll beg for you tonight Will you love me while Cause my heart has never been tamed Will you love me while Cause there ain't nothing about me Will you love me while When the beast inside me away Will you love me while God, if that's what it takes You see, I know how to lose been doing it for a while And my words have destroyed So many hearts all the while My own soul was bleeding Cause I am thirsty for more and as I search for answers, God, will you meet me on the floor? Will you love me while? Cause my heart has never been saved. Will you love me while? Cause there ain't nothing about me that's saved. Will you love me while When the beast inside me awake God, will you love me while If that's what it In there okay I think I got it the low battery light is red though is that a good thing or a bad thing it's good okay awesome <laughs> awesome so um love me wild I don't know if that song connected with you at all 
I don't know if you were like, what's he talking about, you know? This is a church service. What's he talking about wild love for? This morning's message, we're going to be talking about the road to intimacy with God. I'm going to call it the forgotten art of connecting with the heart of God. And I think we struggle with this in our culture. I think we struggle with intimacy in our culture in general. I've got intimacy issues um, that I'm still working through, right? And God, this thing about God's relationship with us is he longs for intimacy. And I think we long for it just as much. And that song came out of a, a place in my life that was like, God, I don't feel lovable. In fact, I don't really want to be loved in an intimate way. It's crowding my space. And so I wrote that song, I'm like, God, can you love me wild, right? Can you love the untamed heart of a man that does not know how to be loved deeply, genuinely, and then reciprocate that love, right? To, to put that love back out there. And the answer is yes. I think God wants to love me wild. I think he wants to love you wild. I think he, he's not scared or intimidated by our apprehension or our inability to relate to each other or him. So let's take this journey together. I'm going to pray first. Um, and then we're just going to we'll dive right in. God, I just ask you to keep me out of your way this morning. Lord, I've said this before, but it's, uh, you've never preached a bad sermon, but I can definitely, I've definitely preached some bad sermons in my life. So I just pray that you would take over this morning and you would speak, not only to the hearts of those here, but to my heart. Lord, this is still, this is a process I'm going through. I want, Lord, the kind of relationship with you that, that allows for intimacy. Lord, revitalize our prayer lives. So that it's not just this, this uh, laundry list, but God, that when we pray, we actually fe- we can feel your presence. That we are connecting with the heart of God. Lord, we are losing the ability to have genuine, pure intimacy in this culture. We don't know how to relate to each other, let alone relate to you, God. So I just ask that you would break down walls this morning, you would break chains this morning, you'd bring encouragement this morning. Maybe you would, Lord, there's some that need to be challenged this morning. God, cleanse us of all the things that get in our way. As we come before your word, cleanse me, cleanse my heart, my lips, Father, my mind. Thank you, Lord, for this awesome opportunity. Your name, amen. So cool. This is so surreal. You know that? Like, I feel like a 10-year-old kid that was like, someday I'm going to preach, you know? And um, I get to be here doing this with you guys again uh, a year later. So you guys are awesome. Can I just say that? How, who was here last year when we were here? Awesome. You guys have been such a blessing. Last year, this was a highlight for us. And uh, I know you guys were like, man, we're so blessed. You kept saying that. We're so blessed to have you here. We're so blessed. You have no idea the, uh, the journey that sometimes takes us down these roads where it's really hard for a season and we're really praying and seeking God and you folks have just blessed us and taken care of our families. This is what we do. This is personally, this is the only thing that I do. This is my life, this is my ministry, this is my family's life and ministry and you guys take care of us when we come here and we really appreciate that. I want to say thank you to you. Um, getting into the word, we're going to be in 1 Kings. So if you can go ahead and turn to 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. While you're turning there, those of you that are OCD, don't freak out, but I'm going to read another verse from the Psalms. So 
Go ahead, turn to 1 Kings. I'm going to read a verse a portion of Scripture from Psalms. My soul longs for Thee, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. It's from Psalms chapter 84, verse 2. I'm going to read it one more time. My soul longs for you, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. There's this thirst and this hunger. We talked about it a little bit last night with the youth that were here, but there is a thirst and a hunger in our generation for something that is intimate, that is real, that is genuine, that is tangible, that is compelling. Compelling. We want that. And oftentimes we come to church to find that. And sometimes we walk away without anything that was compelling. What gives religion any kind of value? The intimate, the intimate relationship with God. Or else it's just like everything else that promises to satisfy if you follow this step A, step B, step C, and in the end, we are still left hungry. But Jesus, right, he met the woman at the well and he told her, I have water for you that can satisfy your soul. The thirst. We are thirsty and hungry. My flesh, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Not this concept of God, but I want God, I, I don't want a concept of God this morning. I am after the real, authentic, living God. And I want a relationship with Him. And that is a process. It is a journey to get to intimacy with God. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning because it doesn't just happen, right? You have those changes in your life, but it doesn't just happen overnight. I don't think full satisfaction is going to ever be found until we're in heaven with God. But the journey of getting there, the pursuit of genuine connection with the living God is real and it exists. And I'm here to tell you, He is real. He is real. So in 1 Kings chapter 19, We find, I think, one of the stories that is probably one of the greatest moments of intimacy with God. And it comes at a time in Elijah's life where Elijah, the prophet, is absolutely at the end of his rope. He is discouraged. So I'm going to give you a little background. 1 Kings chapter 19, really if starting in chapter 18. We're not going to read chapter 18, but just I'm, just, I'm jumping around because I'm ADD, so it's okay. Starting in chapter 18, probably one of the coolest portions of Scripture about victory you see in the Bible. It's the Battle of Mount Carmel, right? So here Elijah faces off with all the false prophets of Baal, right? All, and if you could put yourself in that situation, think about it. The nation of Israel, the people of God, have been led astray by all these false prophets, offering them, I would dare to say, intimate connection with these false gods. They can satisfy your needs. They can take care of you. And they were distracted by these false gods and these false prophets. Elijah shows up, and Elijah, the, God, the one true God of Israel, faces off with these false prophets and wins. 
Okay, I'm not going to give the whole story away because that's not what we're here to talk about today. But all the prophets are overthrown and kicked, well, killed. They destroyed them. And then Jezebel, the queen, sends for Elijah and says, tells the messenger to tell Elijah, I'm coming for you. I'm going to kill you. So Elijah now leaves and goes into the wilderness. And this is where we find him. After probably one of the biggest highs in his life, he now has one of the greatest lows. We're going to start in verse 4 of chapter 18. And When Jezebel cut off the prophet of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave. <clears throat> Wait, am I in there? Oh, I went to 18. Hold on. There we go. But he himself <laughs> went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. My mind is so ADD with that, I, I picture a broom and he's sitting under it. But he asked that he might die, saying, Is it enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Okay, I'm going to stop there. So Elijah, the great prophet of God, who has been used by God to, destroy, to really turn the heart of an entire nation back to God, and yes, he's his life is being threatened, but come on. The same God that sent fire down from heaven is still the same God right then and there. He could have you know, he, he protected Elijah, no problem. And yet Elijah is fearing for his life. He leaves and goes off into the wilderness. And this is his prayer. His prayer to God is, just let me die. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there as a child of God. Where I said, God, just let me die. Don't want to wake up tomorrow. Don't. In fact, that's why I was attracted to this portion of Scripture recently. Right? Because he had the same prayer. And God was like, Jared, this is how you feel. And let me show you what I did in Elijah's life. So if we want intimacy with God, here's point number one. I only have a few points this morning. Point number one, if we want to take the journey of intimacy with God, first thing we need to do is get past the laundry list prayer. Okay? Get out of the trap of laundry list prayer. Listen, it's okay. The Bible says bring your prayers and supplications before God, right? Don't worry about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication. Now, he did that. That's fine to do that. But we stay there so often, don't we? Think about it. Think about his laundry list. He said, God, let me die. That was what he wanted, right? We can have prayer meetings and list all the things that we want God to do, right? That's not wrong. But let's not stay there because guess what? God may have a bigger plan that he wants to align us with and we don't stay sometimes long enough. And so our prayer life becomes shallow and our Christian life becomes shallow and we don't have intimacy in prayer because we just stay at the laundry list phase. I was there for a long time. That's what I remember prayer being when I was a kid. Right? We go into a big room. I, all the adults, we'd all pray, and I figured the, the, harder, the, the more you said, repeated something, right, the better it was, and, and I would like sort of, I was like, man, I got to get the sweat going, so, you know, I really want God to hear the prayer, and I'd be like, you know, on my knees, you know, my knees would be hurting, and then I remembered the smell before you'd walk out of the room, right, if you've ever been in one of those prayer meetings, and you know the smell, right, that's all I knew, I didn't know that that was only part of prayer, in fact, it was probably the smallest part of prayer, because that's where we start, before God begins to align our hearts with His. Uh, oh man, this is going to get so cool. You're going you're gonna to freak out this morning, I hope. Because it's going to get real cool, okay? Okay. 
So just a couple more thoughts on that. We'll get to the next point. I wrote this down. Note, Elijah was asking God for him to take his life, and God never allows him to die. Now think about this. Think about this. What was God's plan for Elijah to leave this earth? Does anyone... You can go ahead. Yes, absolutely right. That's what I'm saying. Awesome. You got this. You got this. He went up to heaven in a chariot. That, how cool is that? Think about what he would have missed out on if God answered his laundry list prayer. Well, that stinks. Sorry, Elijah. I just gave you what you wanted, but this is what I had planned. Oh, man. Right? What a bummer that would be. Right? It doesn't stop at the launch. Don't stop there. Press in deeper because God has a plan and he's waiting to meet you in the wilderness, in the journey to take you on, on a journey of intimacy. I guess, without trying to sound rhetorical here and keep repeating the same thing, it's a journey of intimacy where you connect with the heart of God in prayer. Could you imagine if we got that we were actually talking to the God... Oh, man, okay. I'm, we're talking to the God of the universe. Oh, man, it's going to get intense. All right, point number two. If we want to take the journey to intimacy with God, we not only have to get past the laundry list prayer... But we need to be willing to make the next step and really take the journey, however long that journey may be, wherever that road may lead us, we have to be willing to take the journey. Okay? So if we want intimacy with God, we can't bypass the journey. Let me read this next portion of Scripture. Let's go, go back there. We're going to pick up in verse 5. It says, And he laid down and slept under the broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. I love how epic the last chapter is and how unepic this verse seems. Like he got depressed, he wanted to die, he woke up, God fed him, and then he went to sleep. Cool, right? See, there's significance here. God cares about the moments where you feel like you're just surviving. They're just as holy as the moments where you're on the top of the mountain winning battles for the Lord. Just as important sometimes because a whole portion of scripture here is dedicated to nothing more than him eating and sleeping. Right? If you're in that place, know that God has not abandoned you. In fact, you may be on a journey to deep intimacy with God. Verse 6 says, And he looked, and behold, an angel was at his head, and a cake of bread, and a hot stone, and a jar of water. And he ate, and he drank, and he laid down again. In verse 7 it says, And the angel of the Lord came again a second time, and touched him, and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. I love how he doesn't ridicule him. How he doesn't say, Look, your laundry list is terrible. How he doesn't say, you know what, why, why don't you just grow up? He says, no, the journey is too hard for you. He feeds him and says, and he rose and ate, verse, verse 8, and he drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Herob, the mount of God. Now this is a part of Mount Sinai, right? Where Moses and the Ten Commandments and all that, right? This is the place you go when you want to connect to God. There's symbolism there. He wanted to get close to God. So for 40 days and 40 nights, God gives him strength to take a journey to meet with God in a very intimate way. 40 days and 40 nights to get there. Here's the point. 
If you're going to connect with God, not only do we have to get past the laundry list prayer and take the next step, we have to be willing to take the journey. And I don't know how long that is for you. For some of us, we have to go on a journey for quite a long time. And it gets very painful. But you cannot bypass the journey. As far as I can tell in the scripture, the majority of deep, intimate connections with God always come through a journey and often involve struggling and pain and blood and sweat and tears to break into our hardened hearts of stone. So we're desperate enough, all of a sudden we're like, whoa, God really is here. But are you willing to take the journey? See, I think our culture struggles with something I'm going to call this morning finimacy. Fake intimacy. Finimacy. Isn't that awesome? I love that word. Someone's got to call Webster and be like, yo, dude, we got a word for you. Finimacy. Fake intimacy. Our culture offers and the world offers and Satan offers to us fake intimacy that doesn't require a journey. You don't have to take the journey, man. I know you just want to die. So here's what we got for you. I got a, a basket for you. It's full of all sorts of great stuff to help you bypass the journey. Fake intimacy. Why do you think our culture is so hooked on porn? It's a fake form of intimacy. What do those pictures say? I want you. I accept you. Fake intimacy that doesn't require a journey, that doesn't require any form of accountability, that doesn't require any responsibility on the parts of the participants. Fake intimacy. Right? And we become addicted and we, we latch on to people and we suck them dry emotionally. Why, how does this all happen? Why are we so broke? Because really, I think we bypass the journey that it takes to get true intimacy with God and with each other. Those of you that are married, we understand this journey. It's tough. There is a journey that needs to, when I would do marriage counseling and a couple would come in and say, oh, we, I'm like, so, so let's talk about how you have arguments because before you get married, I really want to make sure you're ready. And, that, you know, they're engaged and a young couple and they're all excited to get married. I'm like, well, you know, how do you deal with arguments? We don't argue. We love each other. I'm like, well, my prayer is that you guys fight terrible all week long. And they're like, what? Because intimacy is forged through a journey. Always. Think about the, the prodigal son. He has to go on the journey, right? The father doesn't chase him. The father waits. And when the father realizes that he's on his way home, he meets him and accepts him in. But he had to go on a journey and find himself in the bottomless pits of sorrow and depression, feeding the pigs in the field. And as the, prodigal, as the story goes, right, as Jesus told this story to communicate what the kingdom of heaven is like, it's like the one, the prodigal, that goes off and finds his way back home, right? The journey to intimacy is so key. Are you willing to take the journey? And it isn't going to be easy. But God will give you the strength that you don't have because the journey is too hard for you, the journey is too hard for me, but God's got this thing figured out. I'm so glad because, guys, I struggle with intimacy. You know, I, if, you, if you're here, like, I, I will come up and I'll, I'll touch you on the shoulder. I'll give you a hug. 
If you're lucky enough, I might even give you a kiss on the cheek, you know? I, I do that, right? People think I'm a very intimate guy. However, there's, see, you notice, almost always, I touch first. If someone holds out their hand, I'm okay with that because there's a barrier there, right? Because then, then I can accept that or reject that. You come up to me and you touch me first. I don't tell you, but my skin crawls. <laughs> and the reason is, because there were some developmental problems when I was younger, and I, I developed a hard time with receiving intimacy. I can give it all day. I have trouble receiving it. How do you think that affects my relationship with God? Huge. How do you think it affects my relationship with my wife? Huge. I'm on a journey. It's hard. And I don't have the strength to figure it out. I'm broken. And I love it. One of my friends... I told him this, and so as he was walking away, he comes up to me and he says, I know you don't want me to touch you, but you need it, so I'm good anyways. He just put his hand on my shoulder, love you, and walked away. And I just smiled, you know, because I know God is te teaching me something, but a lot of us have problems with intimacy because we've had issues in our lives, right? We've been hurt, neglected, abused, right? Is there still hope that this culture can connect with God, because that's what we are thirsty for. And I'm telling you what, I'm tired of living my life stuffing all sorts of things into that one space that only God can satisfy. He wants to hang. Oh, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door to me, I will go in and I will sup with him. I will eat with him. I will fellowship. Okay, that's not even part of the sermon. Next point. We need to be willing to take the journey. The other thing we need to do is we need to learn to search the depths of our own heart. We need to learn how to look deeper even within our own selves. And this is a hard thing to do sometimes for us. Chapter 19, verse start, we're going to be in verse 9, right? He's on his way. He finally gets to the Mount of God, Mount Sinai. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant and thrown down your altars and killed your prophets and with the sword. And I, even only I, am left. And they seek my life to take it. I love how God gets, see, see what happened here? He started with the laundry list. Then he took a journey. And I imagine that on that journey, he had a lot of time to consider what he was going to say to God when he got to the mountain. But then God shows up and he asks him, God didn't, did God already know what brought him there? Yes. But he wanted Elijah to consider the depths of his own heart and ask to, to really understand why do I want to die? Right? A lot of times we bring the laundry list, but we don't know why we're asking God for that. He says, Elijah, I want you to consider why do you want to die? And he had to search deep. See, that's, isn't that where real communication starts? Have you ever been in a relationship or in a conversation that's awkward because all you talk about is like the weather and stuff? <clears throat> right? We are losing the ability to look at ourselves deeply and be able to then communicate that. This is how I feel and why. Especially men, we struggle with that. This is how I feel and why. That's part of Did you know you can have that with God? Like he cares 
not just about your laundry list, but he cares about how you feel? How cool would it be to actually go to him in prayer and know that he wants to know the why? God, I'm just depressed. Well, why are you depressed, Jared? You know what? I feel like no one cares. And let him into that place. Let him work there. Let him teach you. Let him realign your heart to match his. All right? So we need to learn how to look deeply and then communicate that, and that's what he does. And I love this next one. The, the, the last point before we're going to get into our closing section, because that's what I'm the most excited about, and I'm freaking out, and you guys are like, what's wrong with this guy? He's like way too hyper. I assure you I will be absolutely shot after the service. I'm going to be exhausted. So we need to get past the laundry list. We need to be willing to take the journey. We need to learn to search the depths of our own hearts and communicate that with God, share that with God. And then the last point is that we need to wait in the power of the presence of God and in the intimacy of His voice. See, oftentimes we don't get to this point. I think a lot of times people get com- comfortable with doing the laundry list thing. And maybe they'll, they'll be willing to kind of go on the journey. Maybe they're even good at looking into their own heart and communicating that stuff to God. But this point, I really think out of all of them, is the one thing that we struggle with the most as believers, in, at least in the United States. It's the part where we wait in His presence and wait to experience the power of not only God's presence, but the intimacy of His words. So we're going to read. God's going to do this in Elijah's life right now. Right? Elijah, he asks Elijah, what brought you here? Elijah tells him, and this is what God does. Verse 11, and he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind, tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice that said to him, What are you doing here? Same question. Totally different scenario. See, pressing into our relationship with God is so, it's so key to understand that It's cool to hear something from God, isn't it? It's cool to have God speak to you. Did you know there's more? It gets more real. It gets more intimate. Right? He already started the conversation. All of a sudden, God tells him, okay, I want you to go out. This is different. Right? He asked him. I don't know if he just impressed it on his heart or if he actually heard the audible voice of God the first time. But God was like talking to him. Hey, he could hear the voice of God. This time, he, God says, okay, he answers him, and then God says, I want you to go out on the side of the mountain, and God's presence shows up. And it's amazing when God's presence shows up, because you just the power of God's presence literally causes the wind. right? He wasn't in the wind, but he caused the wind. He caused the fire. He caused the earthquake. Right? All these things. And then comes the voice. 
Man, there are so many, so much significance here. God, just give me focus because I just want to go on tangents all over. And I just, I can't do that because I'm going to lose everybody here and myself. I think we often get up right when it's about to get real cool. That's all I'm saying. I think sometimes we, we have that communication with God. We, get, we receive God, God talks to us and we share what's on our hearts, but then we get up and we go on about our day. What if we waited just a little bit longer? What if we could learn how to wait? How to wait and how to listen, how to be quiet and wait. And God says, come out. It leads him to literally go out on the side of the mountain. He sees this amazing display of the presence of God. And all of a sudden, this voice. So we wait in the presence and the power of God, but then we hear the little still small voice. I'm just going to say a couple of things about the still small voice I want us to understand. We often miss the still small voice of God because we're so looking for the big epic entry of God. And I've spoken on this probably even last time I was here a little bit about how we get distracted sometimes by the big miracles. I think this moment in Elijah's life was way more powerful than being on Mount Carmel and seeing fire fall from heaven. Was listening to the still small voice as God drew close to him and asked him again, Elijah, I am here and I am close. Intimate. He's so close, he's whispering. Have you ever whispered in your significant other's ear, right? You ever experienced that kind of intimate? God was doing that with Elijah. Do you want that kind of relationship with God? Because it, I'm telling you, this great prophet, God shows up and draws close to him in the, probably the darkest time of his life and whispers, what brought you here? Repeats the question and Elijah shares couple more thoughts and I'll move on. I think we miss this because we get distracted by the big miracles and we miss the still small voice of God. Do you realize that when God created the universe, what did he use to create the universe? His voice, his words, right? By the word of God. The heavens and the earth were created. And I don't know if any of you are science buffs. I'm not. I watch YouTube. So everything I know is all miscombobulated. But if you study the physics of what it takes to hold an atom together, the amount of energy that is necessary to create an atom, right? One atom of matter and the power that is energy that is necessary to hold it together. The Bible says that by the word of God was the heavens and the earth created and by him all things were made and they hold together. The power of God's voice does all of that, and yet that same God that breathed us into existence with unfathomable power wants to intimately whisper in your ear what brings you here, what has brought you hear what has led you to this place, Elijah. Tell me again. And Elijah shares again. I imagine it, it, this powerful moment as he shares again the same thing. I 
And then we get to the last, this is the sort of the closing point, okay, this is where we're going. When you experience those things, and you get to this place of intimacy, this beautiful thing happens that happens in Elijah's life. God shows up, and he tells Elijah, I'm not going to read these verses because there are names that I cannot pronounce. (laughs) And I have tried quite a bit in the past week, and I just can't do it. So... What we're going to do is we're going to, I want you to read them when you get home. But basically, this is what God tells him. God essentially says, look, Elijah, I hear, your, I hear what you're saying. I know you're concerned for Israel, but I have a plan. And this is where you fit in that plan. He sends, first of all, he sends Elijah to anoint the, king of, the next king of Syria. He sends him to anoint the next king of Israel. And then he sends him to anoint Elisha to be his replacement. You're not going to be alone anymore, buddy. I have a plan for you, and here it is. After this journey that has taken him over 40 days and 40 nights to get to the Mount of God, right? And he's, had, he's wanted to die, and he's wanted to leave the world, and he's felt alone, and God meets with him, and he experiences the power of God's presence and the intimacy of God's voice. God then does this awesome thing that he wants to do in your life and in my life. He realigns our heart with his. The Bible says, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What does that mean? It means as I come before God with my laundry list and what I think needs to happen and I pour my heart out before God and I take the journey, what's going to happen is he's going to meet with me and as I delight in him, He will then realign my heart with His. He'll give me His desires and re-aim my focus and place it on my destiny, right? He will then point you to your destiny. I don't know what brought you here. And there's a lot of things that have brought me here. But there's one thing that is true. When we meet with God intimately, this thing happens where our desires begin to line up with His. Too often, see, we look at the Christian life, we look at prayer as a way to get God to line up with our plan. We bring the laundry list, and that's where we stop. We go to church, and we try religion, and that's where we stop. We're like, well, I tried God, and it didn't work for me. Why didn't it work for you? Because you didn't experience intimacy with God, because I am telling you what. (laughs) once you go God you never go back okay (laughs) see see what see the reaction of Will right up there see his head doing that thing it's a frequent thing he's the tamer one out of the two of us he keeps me in check unfortunately not all the time because I got a mic on and he doesn't Once you experience that intimacy with God, how could you ever? See, the thing is, I I spent a lot of my Christian walk not feeling that, but I knew it was there, and I kept searching for it because my heart was hungry for it. And still today, I struggle because I want intimacy some days because I'm done with the journey. I'm like, I'm too tired, God. Just melt cheese all over something awesome, and I'll just eat it all night. You know what I mean? Some of us find intimacy, I mean, think about it. We find intimacy in inanimate objects, video games. Man, life starts beating me up. I can go play Skyrim and kill a bunch of dragons. The nerds in the group, they absolutely know, and I'm, hey, I'm with you. Okay, best game in the world. God seeks intimacy with us. 
And I, I want you to know that this morning. Okay. It's possible. It's possible. And it changes the way you interact with each other. And I interact with, with my wife and even with Will. And, you know, as you experience God in an intimate way, you begin to have these healing relationships. And God can start fixing the messed up perspectives and realigning my heart with his. And I can actually start to pursue my destiny. I would not have picked the road that I'm on now. But I am thankful that God knows how to reroute my heart. Don't always like the journey. Mm -mm. Some days I want to die. And I go to God and he says, what brought you here? Let's, let's have another heart to heart. The lost art of connecting with the heart of God. Dear God, I, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for your power. And I, I'm always blown away at how even while we're in the journey, you allow us to be used by you. And it blows my mind. If we get anything today, I just pray, Lord, that there would be a hunger that gets started in our hearts to seek that which will truly satisfy true intimate relationship with you. And that the things of this world that stir up our appetite would refocus us on heaven. Would refocus us on you, God, that when we walk by something that looks so attractive and it looks like it would just satisfy us, we would realize that that is the hunger that is in us that only you can satisfy. And we would rejoice and thank you that we're hungry. Just like my grandmother used to say when I said I'm hungry, she says, well, good, you'll eat when it's supper time. Maybe you're saying that to us. We're like, but God, I'm hungry and I want it. And he's like, well, good, because you're going to eat when it's supper time. You're going to be satisfied. You're going to be filled. Fill us up, Lord. I just feel like the last, the last thing I want to pray is I feel like there's a few people here that understand what I'm saying when I say there's, there's some stuff in my past that makes it hard for intimacy. And I pray for those that are here, whether they're seeking intimacy in the wrong places because of their past or whether maybe they don't want anyone, any intimacy from you or anyone else because of stuff that's happened. I pray right now, Lord, you take them back to that thing just in this moment. You take them back to those places in their lives that brought them there, and you would just speak that. What brought you here? And that maybe in this moment they could release that to your cross and say, God, I, want, I don't know what the journey looks like, but I want to start the journey to be free of this. If I have to forgive somebody, if I have to walk away from a situation, if I have to bury something and, and leave it at your cross, if I have to deal with something, God, I pray that you would, whatever it is, you'd let them know right now by the power of your spirit what their next step is to finding freedom, to taking the journey of intimacy with you. God loves you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much.